Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. Watch a penya, Baba Denise, Shannon, yo, Penya, What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show. I don't know if you know this or not, Kyle, but the Lion King comes out today. I don't care. Oh, you're such a scrooge. I, I don't. And I'm pretty sure whatever you sang is not actually how the entrance song goes. You're crazy. I nailed it. Nailed it. Shubbity bee ba ba ba. Like, what, what is that? <laughs> what are you speaking in tongues on the podcast now, Kyle? You are a thief of joy, Kyle, between the home run derby, uh, whatever the heck else I was watching the other day, Lion King. What's your deal, man? It's not tape. The only thing I have time for is tape. And Rick and Morty. You watch and Rick, Rick and, and Morty. So that would be cool. Like, I could respect, like, all I want to do is watch tape if you didn't also watch Rick and Morty. Morty! It's, it, makes it, so much, it makes it so much better that we have our own Morty on staff on, in Ben Solak. It's best that we don't discuss Ben Solak, ben Solak right now. Um <laughs> Uh, and and I know you play some video games sometimes. I dabble, so, but it's also it's sports video games. So it's I that. read a book and occasionally watch something else. I really don't watch anything else. I just want to watch the Lion. Well, King. Apparently, you're you're all jazzed up about the Lion King. Yeah, a story in which you already know the exact story and is a shameless money grab on a story and a movie that's already happened. Oh my God, Kyle, you are the worst. I'm just saying, what, how can you possibly be so excited for something that you know exactly frame for frame what's going to happen the entire movie? Because it's the modern day look at it. It's real. It's I got to know if they're real lions or not or CGI lions, but it's a different presentation of the amazing story that captivated my childhood. You I talk about I mean, Lion King almost every day of my life. You want to know when I was out on the new Lion King? Uh, when I sure. saw the clip of the Hakuna Matata song, I said, nope, there's 0% chance I'm actually watching this movie. Oh, my God. Okay. We got to talk about Tua and Herbert because this is wild. Real quick. Yeah. If we were Lion King characters, who would we be? And don't you dare tell me I'm Zazu. No, you're not Zazu. You, you might be Scar. <laughs> Every good story needs a bad guy, Joe. I say this often. I might be Timon just for the random yelling. We could be Timon and Puma. Yeah, but I don't think you're Pumba, and I think I am Timon. More so, I and I have just because of the yelling. No, yeah, and I look. All right, this is going to be the weirdest thing I've ever said on this podcast. Oh, and bet. Nope, this is it. This is the weirdest. So uh, you can go ahead and take this. My eyes are pretty like sunk far into my head, and I have some. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Uh, somewhat, I think I resemble a meerkat a little bit. Shut it. 
Damn it. Why did I say that? The memes that are going to follow this admission are going to. Have you ever thought about that with me? No. I look a little bit like a meerkat. (laughs) Tua and Justin Herbert. Please. God, are we keeping this? All that's going to stay, isn't it? All that's staying. Yep. God. Because you have foolishly passed the responsibility of editing the podcast onto me. So between me singing the Circle of Life intro and uh, and admitting that I have a resemblance of a meerkat, um, quite the quite the start to you. Uh, you've dug yourself quite the hole for being in such a good mood this morning. Yeah, you, you know what? It's exactly abnormally good mood this morning. It's exactly what I was guarding against for the Jacoby Brissett uh, conversation. Yourself. Yeah. And then I just woke up on a Friday and felt dangerous, I guess. All right. So I don't really know what you think of either one of these players, and you don't really know what I think of either one of these players. But we both know that each other believes that one is a better prospect than the other. Correct. How do we reveal this? Well, we'll count to three, and then we'll say the name of who we would rather have. At this point in time, these are not set in stone, right? Right. Right. Everything right now is fluid. But we'll say on the E in three who we prefer, and then we will talk through it. I have a prediction as to who you're going to say. Well, you can't tell me that because you've already gone on the record to say that you think you're going to have the – or that you think I'm going to have the opposite answer. Right, right, right. And – and uh, – uh, I don't. Who, do you have a, a hunch as to who you think I I am gonna like? Yes. All right. I think we like the same person. I don't think so. Let's do this. Come on. Do you count right. to three? All right. Yes. All right. One, two. I'm scared. Three. Tua. Justin Herbert. Tua. I'm yelling. I'm yelling again. Two is better. Okay. This is. This is. You think I was gonna like Herbert more than Tua? This is Good for the podcast. Wait, I want to know why. Very good for the podcast. Why did you think I was going to like Herbert more than Tua? Because you sit here and stand for Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert's like infinitely better, but the same strengths and weaknesses as Josh Allen. When did I have I ever stand for Josh Allen? Like the entire last eight months. I speak about the optimism, but I'm scared as hell of Josh Allen. And why are we talking about Josh Allen? You know, I'm going to bring up Josh Allen any opportunity that I can get. <sighs> You think that Justin Herbert's the better version of Josh Allen? I think if you take inventory on what made Josh Allen an appealing prospect, right, which was prototypical size, athleticism at that size, big-time arm, natural arm talent. Right. Those are all boxes that Justin Herbert checks, but he is an infinitely better passer from a throwing mechanic standpoint and a mental processing standpoint than what Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming. And he plays a better level of competition. Do you remember my scouting report on Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming? Yes. Well, I I mean, I still like the same stuff in quarterbacks, you know? Like, I don't know. I'm surprised that you – I'm surprised that you thought I was going to like Herbert more. I really am. Okay, so which one do you want to talk about first? Um, Well, I I, – on Herbert at this point. Yeah, let's go ahead and say this, though, too. I like them both. I, I think they're are both, they both. Are they both first round prospects? Yes. Right now? Oh yes, yes. These are quarterbacks you draft. You draft early. Oh yes, both of them. 
I just like two better, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, I think we've kind of started the the Herbert discussion. So I guess it's kind of good. We like different guys better. So you can kind of set this, this the scene on Herbert, and I'll set the scene on Tua. Uh, Tua. Sure. So the games that I watched for Justin Herbert from 2018, I was there live in 2017 for Arizona State game. Uh, I watched Stanford game, California, Washington, Arizona, Utah, and Michigan State. So I watched a lot of Justin Herbert to kind of come to this decision. When I watched Herbert, I really liked the the ability to make things happen on script and off script were things that appealed to me. There are times when he gets dialed in on that initial read and he doesn't move off of it quick enough. Um, I think he's a better and more accurate passer than what his completion percentage. And you of all people should appreciate this based on the tweet that you sent out from who Mm -hmm. was it? Cutcliffe. Uh, David David Cutcliffe talking about accuracy versus completion percentage and how those Mm -hmm. are two entirely different things that really resonated with me because I was just finishing watching Justin Herbert when you put, put that tweet out and and talking about the dynamics of how completion percentage can be pre-snap versus ball placement and accuracy or things that happen post-snap. And I think Herbert's kind of a blend of a number of different prospects and the qualities of theirs that I've liked over the course of the past couple of years. You know, I mentioned Josh Allen as a prospect that I, I was not particularly fond of, but understanding why the NFL was gravitating towards him and seeing a lot of similarities in the physical tools that they have. And then I, I look at his ability to throw into tight man-to-man coverage. And his willingness to throw the ball away from leverage defenders in man-to-man situations and identifying those mm-hmm. situations, NFL caliber throws in those situations. And putting the ball where it has to be, even if it's not a ball that ends up being completed. Uh, Herbert, for me, I think he gives you plenty of athleticism. His rushing yardage and rushing production is not indicative of how good of an athlete he is against man-to-man coverage. And um, I- I'm really confident with his ability to put a b- football anywhere on the field, no questions asked. That's kind of where I stand with Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think it's a really good job of summarizing his his strengths, and, and I agree with everything you just said about his strengths. I will, Let me go ahead for uh, full disclosure. The games that I watch with him are Stanford, Cal, Washington, uh, UCLA, and Utah. Those okay, are so the, we watched. We watched oh, and Arizona State. State. And Arizona watched, State. So we each watched six, and we watched four similar games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I don't want to echo everything that you just said because I agree with all of the strengths that you said. If I were to say the things that uh, concern me about Herbert, and I think they're they're different. It's really different when you compare it to Tua specifically. You mentioned just coming off that first read, you, you know he wants it. You just kind of get that feel that he wants it. And I, I think that almost sometimes that it, it, he wants it so much, it's not that he's not willing to come off it. It's that it really delays his tempo getting to that second read. And I think sometimes it invites pressure uh, that I don't think he handles all that effectively with consistency. Now, he does have some really good off-script moments, but sometimes I think he invites his own pressure. Um, which, now, that I, I will say as a testament to that, the Utah game stood out to me a couple times he slid into pressure. Yes, I think I have, I have a note here that said there are quarterback hurries and sacks that are his fault entirely too often. 
Um, and I, I kind of think that's we'll get into Tua, but I think that's a very different component with Tua. Um, his mechanics, I think that they really they really crumble in those types of moments, and I, I just feel like from it's kind of like some of the stuff that that Cutcliffe tweet came out. It didn't really come. This didn't, I didn't connect these dots until right now because I actually didn't know Herbert's communi- uh, completion percentage until you referenced it. But uh, I said this is an actual uh, sentence from my my scouting report. My, my summer scouting report says has to do a better job IDing pressure packages pre snap and knowing where his process will knowing when his process will need to speed up and how that affects his post snap decisions. And I swear to God, I wrote that six weeks ago probably when I did Herbert's tape. Um, and so I want to see him get more comfortable in those areas. And I'm glad that he's back for those reasons. Now I don't I don't think that he wouldn't have been a high pick had he came out last year. But I think when I'm watching Herbert this year, I'm really going to focus on those instances and how he evolves. I mean, really with a good offensive line in front of him this year and more time as, as this. What, starter, what is did not start to cut you off, but yeah. what is perceived to be a good offensive line? Because they, they had true. a lot of lapses in protection last nope, year. And that, a lot of silly shit yeah. slipped through the cracks. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. That's a good point. And I haven't done the deep dive on that personnel, other than I know whenever I look at lists of guys I'm supposed to watch for the 2020 draft, I see five Oregon guys, it seems like, right? right? I don't know if they're good or not. Um, so, yeah, I just want to see more growth in that area, which I think is really important. Like, how how do you handle the chaos and how do you what's your tempo like? And I want to see that grow. All the traits are present there for him to be a top quarterback, though. Okay. So should we talk about Tua now? Yeah. I mean, do you do you have any like major disagreements with what I outlined as his cons? Or is there um, any reason why you're more comfortable with them than maybe I am? I, I think I'm a little bit more comfortable with some of the freewheeling stuff that he's willing to do. Uh, and you talked about his mechanics and how they kind of crumble under pressure. Uh, man, I watched that Utah game. He was thrown with guys in his face. He, he had to throw off his back foot, and he put a ball against Stanford that was right on the money. And a, a, the, the receiver caught it until it hit the ground, and Debo stripped it out once it hit the ground on third and, third and 12 or something like that. It was a 15-yard pass down the middle of the field. So I saw plenty of instances. And I, I will agree with you that, the consistency component of it would like to see it more consistent and get better. But I've seen enough flashes of it that I feel comfortable that this is something he's capable of, of doing and improving upon. And that's kind of the, the subjective part of this time of year is it's what are you going to choose to buy into? And I actually think with all due respect to two, I think Justin Herbert's better off script than two of Tiger Viola's. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I like the sentence that you said there. This time of year, it's all about what you're buying, you're willing to buy into. I think that's a really good way to talk about how we talk about prospects in July. Yep. All right, so Tua, inventory of games that I watched, all of them. <laughs> all 15? Yes. <laughs> no, you didn't. Shut up. Yeah. You and watched t- all 15 games. I started this last week, yeah. And I finished oh, this morning. Shit, Joe, no wonder you haven't done any scouting reports in seven days. Well, it's brother. Okay. And <laughs> because I was doing, I was doing this whole Alabama, like all of their receivers plus two, oh, man, I had fun brother. That's a fun offense. Um, so why do I like to better than Herbert? And it sounds like maybe you're going to 
not a, agree with me as much as I do about my thing that I love. And it's just how controlled he is among chaos and how even when he's under duress, he finds ways to stay in rhythm with his feet. I really like him in the pocket and how he navigates the pocket and how comfortable he is keeping his eyes down the field and finding those outlets. Um, I think that he shows you really good touch. Uh, I think he's done a really good job of challenging all levels of the field. Um, I like, and I know the last, the Georgia game and the Clemson game, there were some definite warts in terms of reading coverage rotations and, and, knowing where to go with the football. And it felt like maybe he was pressing a little bit in those situations and maybe the ankle was affecting him. Uh, but for, I thought for the most part, he had a really good feel for where the spacing was going to be in his favor and, and work the football effectively to those spots. Um, I generally like his mechanics. He's got a little bit of a hitch in that delivery, uh, but I think he does a pretty good job of getting himself aligned and, and doing a good job of getting his lower body involved with his throws. Um, I like his tempo. I really do. I really like his rhythm and tempo in terms of how his drops uh, work in concert with the route concepts and, and how, how he works through his progressions. I, I just think that there's a good rhythm and tempo about it that translates well to the next level. And I mean, all of that combined with the ability to work off script and, and being just a cool customer under chaos, I really, really like. Uh, I have weaknesses to talk about, but I don't know if you wanted to, to jump in here or, or what. Yeah, I'm a little confused because you, you mentioned at the very beginning of that soapbox session that you weren't sure I was going to agree with the first thing that you said, which was how comfortable and, and controlled he was under chaos, correct? Yeah, and that was just and, in reference to what I said about Herbert. Right, but then you you, you turned around and you, you talked extensively about his work within the pocket, and I don't disagree with that. But you talked about his work within the pocket and staying calm and working through progressions and finding outlets – that's all on on script stuff, in my opinion. Right, but I think it's situations where he I, – I think other quarterbacks wouldn't have been able to withstand those moments as well. Like I, I see quarterbacks, you know, the first side of pressure and take it turns – off the script. Yeah, it t- they take themselves off the script and it becomes a chaotic moment where what I really love about Tua is how those moments – how calm he is and how he's able to stay in. He's not, doesn't take an opportunity to stay in rhythm and turn it into chaos. Right. He's, he stays on the script. He's, he's, he has that control right. of understanding where pre- now I'll let, let me ask you this. Yeah. You watched every single game, all of them. What were the three worst games he played? The three worst games he played Georgia. Uh, Missouri, maybe? No, come on. What I mean, oh, I guess Clemson. Yeah, Clemson and Georgia, right? Yes. I mean, I'm not sure that any I – mean, those are decisively the two worst games, but, like, I'm I not sure that – I thought LSU was convincingly yeah. a bad game, too. Yeah, 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 that's fair. LSU. Three worst defenses, right? I got it. Or three best defenses he faced. So that, for me, is the dilemma with Tua – because I agree with what you said his strengths were. He yeah. doesn't have quite the arm strength that, that Justin Herbert does, no, right? No. He's got yeah. he's got ample pop in his arm. Right. It's he fine. He make every throw that he needs to. Yeah. He's calm within the pocket. I agree with you completely that he has that kind of subtle slide within the pocket. He's athletic enough to to roll out and throw on the move and it's not a liability. Um 
the, the accuracy and the touch to all levels of the field is really, really good. But life was a lot easier for Tua Tagovailoa last year than it was for Justin Herbert. As far as you've talked extensively about how strongly you feel how good this Alabama group is mm-hmm. collectively mm-hmm. and the spacing issues that they present to teams. Impossible defend. Yep. Yeah. So, so for me, when I watched him play the kinds and calibers of defenses, the LSUs, the Georgias, and the Clemsons that have the athletes to pose some kind of physical challenge to the entire offense and the athleticism and the spacing that they present, and I see those are areas, especially the first three quarters of the LSU game, right? Because I don't know how much stock to put into George and Clemson with the, the bulky leg issue that he had. Right. The LSU game, on the other hand, first first half of that football game, first three quarters of that football game, like he was bad under pressure in that football game. He he kind of just he couldn't get away from pressure. And then I, I watched Justin Herbert and some of the attempts at pass off and pass protection and Guys are, are getting quick penetration. And I thought he was able to create and generate more plus plays in those kinds of scenarios than what Tua Tagovailoa was in the games that I really put the heavy stock into. Because I, I'm sorry, I don't give a shit that you went 8 for 8 for 128 yards and two touchdowns against Louisiana. I don't care that you torched Louisville 12 of 16 for 227 yards. Even some of these other SEC defense, like the Tennessee game. It's just not a, it's not the caliber uh, of defense. And, and people will say, oh, well, the Pac-12, they play terrible defense. What about Stanford, Washington, and, and Utah? And Michigan State, high caliber defenses. Michigan State was one of, statistically speaking, one of the best defenses in college football last year. So in that specific scenario, that was the divider for me between the two the physical tools that Herbert presents and then how much more I think he can give you under pressure versus Tua stays calm, collected, but he's not going to create as much off script specifically. I I think it goes back to the sentence that you said. It's about what you're willing to buy into. And I'm more comfortable with what I saw in the other 12 games and still stuff that I saw within those games where I think some of the context of those situations affected some things, that I, I buy into how an NFL offense can be op, could be engineered by Tua Tagovailoa. I think he has everything that you're looking for in the style of offense that we're seeing the NFL play right now. And so let's, let's pick a team. Okay. Let's take the Buffalo Bills. Pretend they didn't draft Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Who would you rather have running that offense? I, I literally thought I thought about this this morning after because I finished the last couple games of Tua this morning. Um, I actually thought to myself, if the Bills had the number one overall pick, which would be an indicator that Josh Allen was ass, I would want them to draft Tua. And how do you think he fits the personnel that they present? And can you give me an example of a personnel group that you think Justin Herbert would project more favorably into? How they would fit the Bills, how two would fit the Bills personnel? Yeah, if you're going to covet Tua over Justin Herbert, yeah. then he has to be the better fit for that personnel grouping and the style of offense that they want to play. Well, I, I think, first of all, I'm, I would be excited about having Brian Dayball with Tua. And I know that we only got a very small sample size of what that combination mm-hmm. looks like. But mm-hmm. 
literally Dable is on record of saying that he wanted to play two all year. And it was more of a, a Saban thing that, you know, hurts his playing football. Um, wow. Nick Saban picked the wrong quarterback. That never happens. Drew Brees <laughs> and Dante Culpepper. <laughs> but I, I feel like in terms of being a distributor, and I think that's a, it's a, that when I say the word distributor, it undermines what I think he is in terms of being a playmaker as well. But I think the Bills personnel of having, you know, more separation guys at receiver, having athletes, having at least an exciting athlete in Dawson Knox at tight end and, and running backs that you hope can catch the football, that he can really take advantage of the the scheme, the Earhart Perkins scheme, and how it gets guys open by scheme and be that facilitator because I think he is a good processor with good tempo. Was this follow-up question about Herbert and how he would fit it? Well, Herbert specifically in a, in a type of offense you think he would fit. See, I, I want to be more comfortable with Herbert's ability to read progression. Read progression. Yeah. And so with that said, it's like, is it something where you where you have to strip it down? Is it a is it a naggy type situ- situation where it's you try to keep him in rhythm and you know uh, you take away the mental side of it. All right now here, that's an interesting point. Who's a better prospect, Justin Herbert or Mitch Trubisky at this point? Probably Herbert. And I would agree with you. I would cover covet Herbert at this juncture over Mitch Trubisky. Right. I, I mean, I think he's just more gifted. Uh, my week. Let's. I'll talk about some of my concerns that I I have down for Tua. Um, I said I mentioned the hitch already. Sometimes that base will narrow, uh, and there's just times on some of those quick outs where he doesn't stay on top of the ball, and it just comes off his hand funky. Uh, and then of course I made I made notes about the coverage rotations against Georgia and Clemson late that led to costly turnovers, and there's a couple occasions uh, and enough for me to to make a note of it that I just didn't feel like him and his receivers were were feeling the same leverage on some of the deep shots it's like you know to put, put it outside and it felt like the receiver was looking inside and I, there was times where I could point the finger at two and there's times that I could point the finger at the at the receiver but right and that's so challenging because you don't really know what the dictating what they're both supposed to be looking at and why someone screwed it up Right, but I, I I wanted to put it down because I got to get on the same page with that stuff. But I mean, you you'd be foolish to not keep in mind all the other amazing deep deep balls that it, he put in a bucket perfectly to the, his receivers. You know, it's it's just worth mentioning. But he he's been very effective at it as well. Um, so those those are my my notable concerns with Tua. I felt like it was it was more like like the. The interception against Clemson, I mean, he was reading cover two and he got cover three. And and Trayvon Mullen kept sinking and he threw it right to him. Right. And, and the, the, the one that was the most worrisome to me was the one against Georgia. Right across the middle in the red zone. Yeah, threw it, yeah. Threw it on the goal line. And, and yeah. I think it was J.R. Reed stepped in front of it and, yeah. and picked it off. I mean, that was and – and he had more than one of those in that game. Right. Yep. And the other one was it was a a route combination in the the corner. The two corners switched, and Tua didn't recognize it, and he still threw it to the guy on the out. And then it was just an easy break on the football. Right. So I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we got like 
probably four of those plays against Clemson and Georgia specifically that, you know, I, I, they loom, right? They loom in our heads right now. I'm just comfortable with the other 351 throws. Right. <laughs> no, I think, I think generally speaking, both of these guys for me, are going to be right up there in that same air that I held Baker Mayfield in. And and Baker's the best quarterback evaluation I've given out since 2015, I think, when the the Jamison Mariota year. Um, So Mayfield and Watson are the top two quarterbacks. And and right now I'm going to hold both of these guys in that light. So I don't want anybody to walk away from this podcast and say, oh, Kyle done like to attack a oil, please. Right, and same thing about they're, me and Herbert. I love them both. <laughs> yeah, they're both probably going to be in my preseason finalized board. They're probably both going to be in the top five, I'd expect. There's some really good football players elsewhere, like Grant Delpit, who's phenomenal. Andrew Thomas. Um, Andrew Thomas is excellent. Um, Jerry Judy. Oh, he's a man. Yep, that, I mean, that right there is probably going to be the top five, I can tell you right now. I have three a quarterbacks and those three players. I have a practical application question to give you. Okay. Um, Dolphins potentially will have the number one pick in the 2020 draft. This is a very real scenario for you. Yes. You're on record. You said you like Herbert better, but when you consider him with the Dolphins infrastructure, does that change anything for you? You I would want the Dolphins to draft – Herbert today. I'd, I'd be fine with both. I understand why the Dolphins, because again, when you're projecting into specific schemes, you got to understand what the team wants. And the, the Dolphins have made a, a very big emphasis on playing smart football. And I think Herbert, if he does not improve in some of the reprogression things that you talked about, which I'm willing to buy into right now and expect him to do that. If he doesn't do that, then then maybe my own perception of these two players changes. But the Dolphins, knowing that they are going to want a really cerebral player who can handle all of the option routes and, and stuff like that, I would expect the Dolphins probably to covet to attack a Viola over Justin Herbert, even though I already know based on some conversations that I have, that the Dolphins like them both. And I, I know specifically that they like Justin Herbert, and they have for a while. So if you like them both, which I we both do, right? We both do. Like, what do you think the league is looking at in terms of, all right, these are the trump cards. This is going to be the, the separating factor as the course of the season prolongs. Because Justin Herbert's uh, – uh, his physical stature is better. Now, two is he's just a little short. He's dense, right? Like he's got the right. He's, he's two hundred thirty pounds, right? Like so, he, he's he's thick boy, you know. Like he's just not very tall. But Justin Herbert's got the superior physical traits. Like that's an obvious thing. Maybe two has got the intangible side of things, right? There's, I think that that's going to be your tiebreaker. Is you know we were already getting some rumblings of like. Oh, does Justin Herbert have the demeanor to lead an NFL locker room? And, you know, if, if, if there's that kind of question about what kind of personality he is and if he's the kind of strong-willed individual to lead, 
and Tua has a better perception in that space, then I also expect that to be a tiebreaker. No easy answers at this point. Do you know enough about Zach Taylor to talk about which one you think he would prefer? I don't. I admittedly don't. No. If we're just going to say he's Sean McVay 2.0, then I think he would like Tua. Correct. That's a very big assumption, though. Right. You can't say that for certain. Right. I'm trying to think of, of a good example of a team that would like Herbert more. So I, what? I bet the Raiders would. You think so, huh? I bet the Raiders would. I bet teams like the Lions would. You know, I disagree with that. Teams that really like to just cut it loose. I, but I guess the thing for me is it's like I'm not sure that either one of them physically can do anything that the other one can't do other than I think Justin Herbert just has a little bit more, uh, you know, arm power. I think he's got notably more arm power. I think to his arm is fine. I think Herbert has a cannon. You're right. That's fine. I was underselling it. So, I mean, that's that's kind of do you want to buy into physical tools and assume you're going to be able to mold the guy that's got more potential? Or do you want to buy into a guy who maybe has baseline level skills in certain in certain areas? I don't even want to say he has a bad arm because he doesn't have a bad arm. Do you but, think either one is more pro ready? Or does uh, that even matter? Is that even like a thing that matters? Not with these two. <laughs> it's like yeah, they're they're both fine. They're both. I'd be comfortable start. I would have been comfortable starting either one of these guys week one of the NFL this year based off the way they played last year. Right. So you're a good, if your team's going to suck this year and you need a quarterback, you're in good shape. Yep. You're going to have probably two, maybe three with Jake Fromm, but I'm probably not going to be in on that boat. But that's a podcast for another day. Ha, uh, let's can, can we group in the 19 quarterback last year for a second? I mean, yeah. these are yeah. way better prospects than Haskins, Jones, Locke. Where would you slot Murray? Kyler? Yeah. Three? Behind so have, both of these two? I kind of agree with you, but I, I will say this as my own personal – evaluation process for quarterbacks has come has evolved here and like you know what I'm learning about what matters most in the NFL I think that Murray helps me like these prospects more in what way just because I buy more into the mobility aspect of it and how they can engineer offense more so than, you know, like a – and I love Josh Rosen, I still do, but like a Josh Rosen who is more of a traditional style of quarterback. I'm growing up too in the way I evaluate quarterbacks. And that doesn't mean that Josh Rosen can't find success and I don't love Josh Rosen and I don't like pocket passers and that type of thing. But buying into a Kyler Murray type quarterback is still something that I have to learn to do yeah, it, or I'm it, learning to do. It makes it a lot easier as an offense to consistently create explosive plays when your quarterback is able to get off his spot. 
Exactly. And you're able to weaponize him with his legs, which you see Alabama and Oregon do with both these guys. And you saw Oklahoma do with Kyler Murray last year. I have a super random talking point to close this podcast. Okay. It's about this, though. It's, it's about left-handed quarterbacks. Where, where, okay. where are you on this? Is it just something where – do you think that there's just a, a shortage of left-handed people that play quarterback at a level worthy of being in the NFL? But, like, we literally don't have any right now. Is there anything to it? Hmm. I don't know if I could say that I think there's anything specifically to it, but I feel like you do. No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I just – it's something that I've noticed, and it's kind of weird watching a left-handed quarterback, right, because it just, it's just it's different. And I thought – I was wondering if maybe you had any compelling thoughts as to why – I mean, I don't think there's one left-handed starting quarterback in the NFL right now. No. I, I will tell you this. My report for Tua, when it's all said and done, uh, the report will make a mention that uh, he's left-handed, and that will be the – only time I talk about. It. <laughs> I don't know if this matters, but he's left-handed. I'm just it's I'm just making an acknowledgement that there is this different component, but I don't care at all because as long as his process is good and you know, we see the throwing mechanics and the touch and all the things as a natural thrower that he has the ability to do, then I don't care that he's left-handed. Is it it could it be an advantage, right? Like it's different for defenses, right? The tendencies. I mean, yeah, yeah. typically you think about where teams align certain pass yeah. rushers and trying to get to the quarterback's blind side, and now you might have to either flip-flop or now the Tua will be able to see what a traditional backside or traditional quarterback's backside and blind spot side is. He'll be able to see that coming, and yeah, that's an interesting kind of compelling conversation. I mean, if Bill Belichick requires a left-footed punter because the ball spins differently for the punt returner, Right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Tell me the left-handed thing doesn't matter. Now he's I don't he's never really had a left-handed quarterback. Obviously he's had Tom, so that but it, look, I'm, maybe it's an appealing thing. Maybe it's a plus, but there there's also a reason we don't have any and I don't necessarily know what it is. Let's do some homework and find out from Monday and we'll talk about it on Monday. That's that's our new objective. And that's everybody's objective to come back and find out why there's no left-handed quarterbacks. So you got to hit subscribe, come back and see us. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Hope you guys will come back and see us again next week. Uh, we'll do another prospect versus prospect. We got takes on takes on Tuesday. We got water cooler Wednesday, which is just going to be reading Jacoby Brissett's tweets on Wednesday. So lots of fun <laughs> stuff to look forward to. Tier maker Thursday on Thursday, full slate. Make sure you guys come back and see us. Thanks as always for listening to the draft dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.